verse 8, and in this conversation of being filled to overflowing, I was led to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, and it starts this way. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. You know, we're going to stop there a minute. I won't read the rest yet. There's, there's a very real sense uh, of a healthy fear that is conveyed in Scripture under which the Christian lives, right? Be very careful. The days are evil. Be very careful. The days of evil. The fear that we could... Uh, that, that, that we could define it as sort of a rational, uh, balanced outlook of self and life, right? That's the fear that we're talking about. A sober acknowledgement of the reality of the fallen world that we live in and that we too are also fallen creatures. When we acknowledge that there is sin and evil out there in the world and that that sin and evil is even in us. Someone might say that we're being negative or fearful. Somebody else, you know, outside of the church, outside of Christ, hears those words and say, ah, you're just a negative Nancy. You're just scared of everything. Well, we're fearful, yes, but we're not scaredy cats. We're not scared at all. We are bold in Christ, right? Are we negative? No, no. We are realistic. We are not one iota negative. We are actually the most positive people in the world. We really are. We're simply maturely recognizing our condition before God. You have to do that. We're full of hope, not in our abilities to do good or to be good in and of ourselves or even to create abundance for ourselves in life, to fill ourselves up. We're, no, we don't trust in that. We, we straight, but strictly in God's goodness alone, in His character, who He is. We need to regard ourselves rightly before God or we're stuck. So the fear we speak of is better expressed as maturity and wisdom. Maturity and wisdom, right? A fear meaning that we are realistic. That we're we're looking at ourselves and our lives through the eyes of Jesus and we're saying, "I, I too am a sinner, right? I'm deserving of death. I deserve death. My own heart tends to lead me astray still. Only through Christ am I made right. Only through His grace and His mercy do I have salvation. And that is the most positive place to be, right? It's pointing to the grace of God that we have in Christ, sufficient even for my totally depraved nature. And as stated in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a true statement. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in relationships and in interactions in life, there's a very real sense of trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. Be wise, even with our own hearts and our own thoughts, right? Realizing that there's not only sin within us at work, but other powers as well out there in the world and in relationships. There are cultural narratives going on that are anti-God and against the Scriptures. There are demonic powers in the world. And if you don't believe that, I well, 
You'll get there someday. There are spiritual powers in this world that want to take you out as a Christian. But God loves us. We realize that God loves us, but we are a fickle, sinful, mixed-up bunch sometimes in this complex stew of sin and self. We need to be filled. We need Jesus. So we're urged to be wise, to choose to be wise. You know, you can make that choice, (laughs) right? God can give you wisdom and you can make that choice to be wise. Making the most of every single opportunity, not just some, but every opportunity. You, You don't get the day off in Jesus. If you're somewhere and somebody needs an answer for your faith, you give it with gentility and respect, but you give it. You don't, you don't take time off. We are constantly aware, all the time, having the ability to be active in faith and opening our mouth the whole time, allowing ourselves to be filled by the living Word of God with a sense of urgency in maximizing every, all time and all opportunity. It continues in verse 17. It says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, just like Bill Murray, right? Don't go looking for love in all the wrong places. Don't be foolish. Don't choose to be foolish. Don't devote your mind, as Spurgeon urged over a century ago back in England, right? To plumb the depths of God. Take that time. Take to heart what Ecclesiastes 12.13 says. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments, because this is the duty of all mankind. Don't go looking for filling in false ways. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't seek to be filled with things which... We're never meant to satisfy you fully that alcohol, drugs, approval of others, wealth, sex, food, whatever it is. Those are definitely God-given pleasures, many of them, right? There's nothing wrong with, with all these things. Well, maybe the drugs part, but anyway. But, but they're never meant to fill the soul with meaning and purpose. Never once were they meant to do that for you. That's reserved only for Jesus. So know the Lord's will, fear God, and keep his commandments. And the only way, the only way that I know, and I think I'm right, and there's not another real way, the only way to find that out is through a thorough, consistent, daily diet of Scripture. That's it. That's it. I'm not, you know, not a seminary degree. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't think you need to be a theologian, some like huge whatever, but a daily quiet time. How many of you have a quiet time? Don't don't raise your hands, but I'm asking you rhetorically. How many of you have a quiet time every day? Pushing aside all other cares, sitting with the Lord, reading and praying, listening, allowing His Word to soak into your heart and mind, or we might say heart-mind because they are the same thing, allowing the Holy Spirit to submarine us into the deep ocean of God thought. That's why it says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
which is reflective of not only Romans 15, 13, but also of Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what comes out of this willing act of submission to God is filling. It's filling to overflow. Filling to overflow. Ecclesiastes 5, 15-20 continues to describe it this way by saying, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. This is exactly what... Uh, Richard was talking about. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds like a good picture to me. A healthy, wonderful, full interaction, uh, picture of interaction between the body of Christ, between people, and of constant thanksgiving, living our life in awe of the wonders of God daily. But it's so easy for us to grow contemptuous, bored, and tired, (coughs) and bitter. Like Bill Murray, to come out of the front door viewing every day as the same old garbage again. And we fill ourselves and surround ourselves with contempt, don't we? Just turn on the radio. Think about the news. Think about the songs. Think about the literature that we read, what we pour into ourselves. How much of that is uplifting? You know, David was surrounded with contempt as well. It doesn't matter what your situation is. He wrote Psalm 34 in the midst of being chased down by King Saul, his own mentor who had gone crazy with pride and paranoia, wanting to kill David. And then this other king, King Achis, Achis, however you pronounce his name. Does anybody know? I don't know. But he's David's enemy, right? And he's vowed to take him out. David is being chased down. David could have looked at his situation thinking that God wasn't with him at all. Where is God? Why is all this happening to me? But David, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled you know, uh, with, with all that, could see the greater goodness of God even through a difficult situation. The filling he experienced didn't allow for contempt to grow in the garden of his soul, right? David filled his heart and mind with the Word of God the truth of who God is, he contemplated and plumbed the depth of God's word and he was better for it. What do you fill yourself with? What do you fill yourself with? Think about that question because it's an important one. Because if, you know, as we think of filling, we've got to realize we both have some control over that, yet no control over that process at the same time. We swim in a world geared to fill us with junk food and junk messages, don't we? You can't get away from it sometimes. So you've got to learn to deal with it. We have little control over some of it. We can choose more wisely concerning what we put into our mouths and our eyes. That's for sure. But it'll tur- not turn off your own dark heart. That takes divine intervention. That takes a movement of God in your life. Yet when it comes to being filled with the Spirit instead, Jesus, in John 3, Jesus tells us the Spirit of God will not be caged and will not be manipulated. 
He can't be bought. He can't be sold. He can't be on puppet strings because the Spirit blows where the Spirit pleases. So what's the Christian to do? Right? Think about that. How do I get filled? If he blows where he pleases, how do, I, how do you net the wind? What do I do? How can I do this? Well, I want you to remember a few things about yourself. One is that the redeemed, those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, who have been hidden now, hidden away with Christ, a few things stand true of us. One is, you have been given the seal of the Holy Spirit in your life as an everlasting guarantee of your adoption as a son or a daughter into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. The Spirit has chosen to blow in your life already, and you can't, you can't get rid of that. It's not up to you, or grace would mean nothing. As it says in Ephesians 1.13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the gospel of salvation, that's exactly what we were learning to share yesterday. And I find that most Christians in this world do not know how to do that. They don't know the simple nuts and bolts of how to tell somebody what the gospel is. I urge you to learn it. But, you know, if if you listen to that verse, that cannot be taken from you. You didn't earn it. It was God's gift. It was a promise to you. Right? Not Not even you can screw it up. Right? Secondly, Scripture commands us to be filled with the Word of God, as it says in Colossians 3.16. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it. Allow it, right? Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Teaching and admonishing one another. There is right and wrong in the world. Despite what everybody says out there. There is right and wrong. There is sin and there is holiness. Despite what they tell you out there. Listen to your pastor for once, please. Right? Being filled means I acknowledge my absolute need for for God. My, my total depravity. I'm at the mercy of His blowing. I'm at the mercy of God. And it also means that I submit myself to His Word, allowing it to enrich my thinking in the context of my community, when I'm at a community group, when I'm in one-on-one discipleship relationships with people, when I'm here in corporate worship, or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm at work, Whatever that I am open to teaching and admonishing someone else in light of the Scriptures, but I'm also open to being taught and admonished myself. Corrected, sometimes. Being filled means we choose to walk in a way of holiness that we're craving God's leading in this life. As it says in 1 Peter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave, which is another word for desire, right? Crave pure spiritual milk, 
so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord Lord is good. So you initially taste Jesus is wonderful, and then you just crave more and more and more of him. Right? And you grow up into maturity. So what that says to us is the same. Live wisely. Throw off sin. Live in holiness. Crave to be filled with the Word of God. And like Lay's potato chips, you eat one, you can't have just one. You want the whole bag. Which, and then you get like me, right, with my belly. That's one of my downfalls, as you know it. You know, Peter has credibility. Peter has all credibility to say these things. Since in Acts chapter 5, people were literally bringing their sick out into the streets in the hope that even Peter's shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. He was so filled with the Spirit, he was overflowing the living Word of God to people in such powerful ways. So our part of this act of filling is to pursue Jesus at all costs with great desire to feed on his word. And where do we go for that? Where do you go for that? Well, we go directly to the source. Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Those are amazing words when you think about it. Remember, Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Only you. Jesus is exclusive. He is exclusive. He is the only way to eternal life. I'm amazed that I get criticized for that, for saying that. How ridiculous. We are Christians. We know that Jesus, I don't just believe, I know Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And all of these words that we need have been left on the pages of Scripture. Those words alone right there could fill a lifetime of study if you think about it. They could never be exhausted in their depth. If we say that we love Jesus, then we must be in love with the Scriptures. I'll say that twice. If we say that we love Jesus, then we have to be in love with the Scriptures that teach about Him, that, that, that refer to Him. If we say that we follow God, but we've never cracked a Bible, incongruent. doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Being filled with, by the Spirit means being filled by His Word, and that means that we take it all, the whole kit and caboodle. We don't get to deconstruct it and say, oh, that part's right, that part's wrong. I believe that part, but I don't like that part. No. No. But that's what's happening across the Christian world right now. It's tiring, as us pastors say. So all I'm saying to you this morning is a few simple things. One, get hungry, get thirsty. Get hungry, get thirsty, right? Luke 6, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Amen to that. Uh, Isaiah 44, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. I want that. Secondly, God's word tastes good, right? Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Ah. (laughs) 
John 6, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Matthew 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the God. Thirdly, God's word is refreshing. It says, if anyone, this is John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. I want that in my life. I think, fourthly, choose to meditate on it. And this is from the Amplified Version. I usually don't use the Amplified, but I thought it was kind of cool how it said it. It says, May you be rooted deep in love and found securely, founded securely on love, that you may have the power to grasp with all the saints the experience of that love, that you may know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses, surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled with all the fullness of God you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself lengthy but cool again uh Plumb the depths of the divine. This is also the Amplified Version. It says, Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I want that. Let me just say this. There is nothing in life for you right now more urgent more urgent and rewarding than knowing Jesus more fully. There's nothing more more urgent for you of being filled with his spirit. So I simply, like Charles Spurgeon, invite you today to begin the journey if you have grown tired, if you've grown bored with the monotony of life. I, I, I I beg you to lean into that. And by the way, like Richard was singing to himself, I'm preaching to myself right now. I beg you to explore the vast sort of oceanic wonders of God this year. Be filled with overflowing. Because once that happens, bang, the, the, the doors get blown off. We watched this video yesterday of this girl that went out and shared the gospel with people on the street. And she just came back. She goes, I was so scared to do this. I was frightened, blah, 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 blah. She, but she just could not. She's grinning ear to ear. She couldn't take the smile off her face. How wonderful and lovely that, that experience was to overflow Christ to people. So have a quiet time. Get to church regularly. Sorry, I'm going a little long. Get in a community group. Start to interact with people. Begin praying for our missionaries. You know, one of our missionaries was in the hospital with COVID. He just got out this week. Praise God. Got medicine. They, they can't get medicine across uh, the country. I can't say the country. Uh, and and he, he was miraculously found medicine that, that saved his life. Begin praying for your friends and your family and your co-workers and your neighbors. Pray that God would move in their hearts and you would be invited in there to talk about the gospel, who Jesus is. Listen, don't, 
don't just come to church and say you're a Christian and go home and do your work and da-da-da, go to bed. How boring. Make it the whole thing. Don't just say you're a Christian. Be a Christian. That's a, there's a big difference. Amen. Amen. Whew. <sighs> Let me pray for us as we get out of here. I think that's the last thing, right? Me? Just me? Okay. Father, we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you that you are both Lord and Savior of our lives. We thank you that you chose to blow in our lives despite the fact that we didn't deserve it and we didn't earn it. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come and lift us up out of the monotony, out of the craziness, and just let our faces and our hearts be focused on you, that that would fill us up to overflowing to the people around us, and we would start to see people come to know you in ways that we've never seen before. We thank you for this opportunity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Feel free to hang out and eat the last few snacks back there and get some coffee or get some drink out of the... the, I hope you know that you can take the drinks out of the refrigerator back there. So they're all free. Just take them. If you feel guilty, you can stuff money in that box. Um, And that's about it. Amen. Hope to see you next week as well. Next week, remember, we have Natalie coming to to share with us. So that'll be good. It's like 40 degrees hotter up here.